0: Welcome to the Hotel News Now Podcast Network. This is senior reporter Dana Miller. In this episode, we're going to dive into things, everything about Las Vegas. Um, I will say as a reporter, Las Vegas hadn't always really been on my radar as much as markets like San Francisco or New York City have really been in the past few years. But now I feel like with so much happening in the strip area, in so many events and investments, Las Vegas news is just popping up everywhere. So this is why we're here today. And that of course could be due to the city recently hosting Formula One and just a month out, it'll be hosting the Super Bowl. And really to kind of help get a sense of how Las Vegas is performing from a tourism perspective and commercial real estate perspective, I've tapped two experts. We've got CoStar Senior Director of Hospitality Analytics, Emmy Heiss, and co-stars Nevada and Utah Director, Market of Analytics, uh, Michael Petrovelli. Thank you both so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having us, Dana. Looking forward to our chat.
0: Yeah, we're excited good so to get a little bit of perspective first so michael you live in las vegas correct
1: yes i do i moved here in 2021 to take on the director of analytics position uh, i've seen vegas change quite a bit in the short time i've lived here the sphere didn't exist neither did fontaine blue or Durango resort in southwest las vegas uh formula one wasn't even in the picture now we'll have Major League Baseball's athletics franchise moving here and several more casino slash hotels that are proposed on the Strip.
0: Yeah, lots of big changes. So many in that list that you just mentioned right there. But good, we'll talk all about that. And Emmy, when's the last time you visited Vegas, and how have you kind of seen things change?
2: Well, this is kind of an embarrassing question, but uh, I have not been there, I think, since <laughs> 2008. Okay. Um, when I was in a more fun time of my life. Now, I mean, my <laughs> life is very fun now, but let's just say different phase of fun of life. Um, so it's it's been a while, but I have been wanting to go back, like seeing all these people like performing there. I really want to see the sphere. There's been so many cool hotels that have opened in the past few years that whenever I talk to someone going there, I'm like, where are you staying? Oh, you should try here. You should try here. Try the like, you know, pool bar at this, where there's massive screens, so.
0: Yes. All right. Well, maybe soon you'll be there and you'll know exactly where to stay, where to go. But speaking of hotels, so since you're the expert on this, I'd love for you to kind of give us a quick overview of how many hotels are currently in the Las Vegas Strip area. And maybe if you can kind of dwindle that down to how many of those opened in 2023.
2: Okay. So there are 101 hotels in how we define the Las Vegas Strip submarket. Yep. Um, which is actually a lower number of hotels than the other two submarkets. But because of the size of the hotels on the Strip, the Strip represents 62% of the rooms in the entire Las Vegas market. And the Las Vegas market is by far the largest uh, uh, U.S. market by room count. Second mm. is Orlando, but Las Vegas has 34,000 more hotel rooms in Orlando. And then the Las Vegas Strip submarket is also the largest submarket of the submarkets tracked in the US. I think it's like 666. It's the largest by room count. Second is Chicago CBD, and the Strip has 57,000 more rooms in Chicago wow. than CBD. So that just paints a picture of how many hotel rooms are in this. Tiny little geographic region. Mike's heard me say this before that um, hotels in Las Vegas are basically city centers. I mean, yeah. it's each building is its own city, in my opinion. Not each building, but a lot of them.
0: Absolutely. Um,
2: so, in terms of opening in the past year on um, the strip, only one hotel has opened, mm-hmm. and that is what Mike mentioned. And that's the Fontainebleau, the 300- 3,644 room opened in December. And it's actually because of how big it is. It's the highest room inventory increase in that submarket since 2010, just from that one hotel.
0: And that was long awaited, right? I mean, I know that kind of went through, I think, almost a decade of trying to get that project out, correct?
2: Yeah, I call it the soap opera of commercial real estate. So many different <laughs> owners, different stories, yeah. different brands, different prices. All to go back to the original owner, of course, I have a partner, but um, it's quite an exciting story in the world of commercial real estate.
0: It is, it is. Now, how about anything that's kind of coming up in the pipeline, if you want to talk about maybe projects, notable ones that are under construction or maybe final planning phase for the next couple of years?
2: Yeah. So kind of similar to what we're seeing nationally, there's a slowdown in the Las Vegas market with under construction rooms, especially with that new hotel opening. There's only one hotel under construction right now in the Las Vegas Strip submarket, And it's 119 room element hotel near the airport that's mm. expected to open in 2025. So no new hotels are expected to open this year, but that's pretty normal for the Strip. I feel like it's like Big hotel, a lot of inventory, and then sometimes zero to nothing for a few years, and then big mm-hmm. development, and then zero to nothing. Um, as far as final planning, there's technically only two hotels. One is a Spark by Hilton, also by the airport, a little bit east of the element I just talked about, which I was actually surprised to see because I thought Spark was more, I don't want Hilton to get mad at me, but I thought it was more mm-hmm. of a conversion brand. I didn't realize they were doing new builds as well, so that's kind yeah. of exciting for me to see, to, to know that, that mm-hmm. they're doing new builds as well. And then also in final planning, it's the Fertita Casino Hotel. Um, it's yes. going to be a 43 story, 2400 room, high end casino. Um, it's in final planning, it says with opening in 2026. So, mm-hmm. Fertita Entertainment is the owner. They also own the Houston Rockets, the Golden Nugget Casinos, one of which is in Las Vegas, and Lingerie's Resorts. And they bought the land for this development in 2022 for 270 million, and it um, included a Tex-Mex tequila bar, souvenir shops, and a travel lodge that's already been demolished. So, last I heard, permits have been filed between March and October. Um, the permits for, were for a base podium that can be used to start constructing the resort and build the parking garage. But they also mm. modified the plans to include pickleball courts. Oh know, boy! America's new favorite. <laughs> Sports, Um, spreading everywhere. So so that's a big one. But I also heard that they're, you know, kind of waiting out construction costs. But their permitting only lasts so long. So we'll see if it really Mm -hmm. does start construction in the 12-month final planning. And then the last one, which is technically not final planning, is the Dream Hotel outside of the airport. It started construction, stopped because it came into financing issues. Um, So it's technically labeled as deferred right now. But in October, there's an announcement that they're hoping that they can start construction again in 2024. So that would resume. So I kind of call that final planning, even though it's technically deferred, and it's a new brand to the to the
0: area. Okay, great. That's good perspective on you know who's coming in, the investor types, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the conversation. But Michael, turning to you uh, from your perspective, can you share some broad um, color on what you're really seeing happening in the Las Vegas market?
1: Yes, Las Vegas is it's such a unique animal in that it's so heavily dependent on tourism, and the best comp, probably the only comp, is Orlando, maybe to a lesser extent Hawaii. Uh, Mm -hmm. And these markets are, as you know, directly tied to the national economy and disposable income. So when there's an economic downturn, these markets are typically the first to feel it and the last to recover. During COVID, we saw virtually 60 percent of leisure and hospitality jobs lost overnight. Mm -hmm. That's about uh, 175,000 jobs. In contrast, during the Great Recession, we lost about 10% of employment in leisure and hospitality or around 25,000 jobs. So right now we're seeing really strong job growth in the leisure and hospitality sector, but it was quite a long recovery. In fact, it took about four years to recover all the jobs lost uh, from COVID. And we're still, even though we're seeing the strong job growth, we're, we're still hearing about hiring challenges particularly at new hotels that have opened. And I think the fact is a lot of leisure and hospitality workers were forced to find other forms of employment during COVID and they never return. Mm-hmm. But we are starting to see uh, new workers enter the workforce, some are coming back. Um, and on the flip side, I think that's also why here locally we've seen office using employment have the strongest recovery. So you maybe pulled some of those leisure and hospitality workers into some of those office working jobs or remote working jobs. The good news is that tourism and more specifically on the Strip, uh, we've seen a huge benefit from the revenge travel trend here that began in 2021. And that momentum has largely been sustained. Harry Reid International Airport in 2023 set a new record by November with nearly 53 million passengers. And when that final tally is reported later this month, that number that number will probably be around 57 to 58 million. This type of growth has actually renewed conversations about developing a supplementary airport to the south of mm-hmm. Las Vegas near the Nevada-California border. That's actually been talked about for a couple decades now. But I think because of the, the immense growth that, that we've seen here, it's become a topic that has... Uh, kind of climbed up on the priority list for a lot of local officials. Um, Nevada monthly gaming revenue, which is driven primarily by the strip and the casinos there, has exceeded $1 billion for 33 consecutive months. In November, when Formula One arrived, gaming revenue surged to $1.37 billion. That's an increase of nearly 13% from November 2022. And that came up just short of the monthly record of 1.4 billion set in July. So thanks to historic tourism and tax collection numbers, the Nevada state budget actually had a $50 million surplus last year and 200 million more than previously projected for its two year budget. And currently they're working with the largest state budget in history.
0: You know, Mike, you did, mentioned the revenge travel piece and how that kind of really began in 21 and has sustained do you feel like that's going to continue especially this year with so many uh big mega events happening
1: yes i think even though there's projections for a slowdown in the overall economy um and again as we mentioned that's that's tied to the local economy because of uh, disposable incomes in particular the fact is you have some major events coming up Uh, Super Bowl number one, uh, that's gonna be the first time we've ever had an event of this magnitude here in Las Vegas. It's probably gonna rival numbers that we saw with Formula One, maybe exceed them. Um, And then of course, when March rolls around, that's high season. Uh, March Madness is always a big thing here. Even if there's Mm -hmm. no games played in Las Vegas, you still have a ton of people who wanna come here, bet on the games, stay at a hotel, and uh, kind of be in that that type of atmosphere with March Madness, and then you know as we roll into April and beyond, there's always more events happening. We had the NFL Draft here last year, um, that was a big deal. So I think that momentum will probably be sustained uh, throughout the rest of the year, just because um, there is so much you know so much demand for that revenge travel trend. And then also, you're always having people come from South, Southern California, as we mentioned. It's always going to be a destination for them uh, I, I, on the weekends in particular.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, we've uh, touched on you know, pretty notable hotels that have come to the market. I'd love to kind of hear maybe what you've seen from any notable businesses that have relocated to Las Vegas or uh, notable other commercial real estate assets that have opened and really just that investor appetite.
1: In terms of openings, apartment and industrial have been the most active segments for development outside of hotels. Uh, in terms of apartments, last year we had 5,600 units completed. That's an all-time high that shattered the previous record of 3,600 units in 2020. For the industrial market, we had 8.7 million square feet of industrial space delivered. That's also an all-time high. In terms of office and retail, these segments of the market have had limited construction since the Great Recession, which have actually helped stabilize these markets as we've seen kind of demand slow down a little bit. Uh, so retail, we've had less than 600,000 square feet of retail completed in Vegas last year. That was the lowest output since 2018. In the office market, we only had 310,000 square feet of office space deliver. And we haven't topped 1 million square feet in office deliveries since 2011. in terms of relocations the big one of 2023 that everyone's talking about here locally was skills they're a video game esports company they moved mm-hmm. its headquarters from san francisco to las vegas again it kind of follows this trend of a lot of companies leaving san francisco and the bay area Uh, for greener pastures, and Vegas Mm kind of seemed like a perfect fit for them as a major convention market, a major market that can host these type of big esports events. And based on what I've heard from LVGEA, which is the Las Vegas Economic Alliance, uh, Las Vegas is aiming to be more competitive on the sports and entertainment tech front, and the skills relocation really fits that mold. Yeah,
0: that's interesting with more of that coming into the market because obviously, you know, entertainment and Vegas go hand in hand. But, um, you know, we did see some big investors with, you know, Realty Income Corp there. They defi- signed a definitive agreement to invest $950 million to acquire common and prefer equity interest in the Bellagio Las Vegas from Blackstone. So two big names right there. Um, aside from skills, any other big names that you've really seen come enter the market? To the
1: relocations. There haven't really been any major ones besides the, the skills relocations, but in terms okay. of uh, capital deployment, yep. I mean, like most markets, institution cap- institutional capital largely sat on the sidelines in 2023. Mm-hmm. And the same can be said for Las Vegas. Outside of the realty income deal, Apple Hospitality's acquisition of Spring Hill Suites near the convention mm-hmm. center for 75 million. That was the only other noteworthy deal here. But in terms of commercial real estate, it really depends on the asset type. So the industrial market is still holding up relatively well, although we did see a major drop off in capital deployment in the second half of last year. Um, The biggest players here are Prologis, BKM Capital Partners. Blackstone has been the biggest investor in Las Vegas Industrial in the past five years, but they only deployed about 80 million, 80 million last year. And that kind of goes along with that trend of institutional investors largely sitting out 2023. Mm-hmm. Because of the, the pain in multifamily, very few deals are getting done. We have a multifamily vacancy rate that just reached 10% and is moving higher. Again, we have a lot of supply that's come online, weaker demand, uh, rent growth turning slightly negative. So not a whole lot of action there. Same can be said for office. I think, generally speaking, there's not a lot of appetite uh, for office investment, and then there was no major institutional trades in retail either. I think uh, you know Vegas again is one of those markets that is usually first to feel the effects of a downturn. I think that was on a lot of people's mind entering 2023. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of calls for recession, never materialized, uh, but I think that did that did play a role in fewer, uh, fewer investments being made in Las Vegas last year.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Now, obviously we got to talk a little bit about economic impact of some of these, uh, past mega events and ones that are to come. And I know, Emma, you've talked a lot about on the Las Vegas F1 event, um, with some others on my team, but just to kind of give a quick highlights to our listeners in this podcast, um, You know, it is obvious that we did see headlines pop up ahead of the event that hotels were slashing rates, but it ended up showing the data that Hotel ADR on the Strip grew pretty significantly Monday through Sunday, the week of the event. So kind of give us a lowdown on how tourism really impacted F1.
2: Yeah, so I saw those headlines too, but once we crunched the numbers, uh, the average daily rate was significantly higher than it was the same week the previous year. And not to say that prices weren't slashed, but maybe they were just set too high and there were some adjustments and, you know, that's a great click headline rate slashed. So, Mm -hmm. um, but from our analysis, um, so this was obviously the first, uh, F1 event in Las Vegas. Uh, they have a 10 year contract, I believe Mike, is that right? It's 10 years, right? Yeah. Okay. He's nodding for the listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, so it was the first event. Um, and so, one, in terms of hotel performance, uh, it was a longer length of stay than what mm-hmm. we saw for the Miami and Austin events. Um, so we started seeing hotel performance really, I mean, it bumped up really since Monday, but the highest bump really started on Wednesday, whereas the other locations were Thursday through Saturday nights. And mm-hmm. I think that part of that, it could just be because of the first year, getting it set up, people wanted to find the perfect place to stand and, you know, what was going on. Or it could have been people saying, I want to come early and do something else, the shows in the casino. Right. So I am really excited to look at the data next year to see if that transcends where it is a longer length of stay for people who are coming for more than just the actual F1 event. Um So since the peak days were Thursday through Sunday, um, that hotel revenue generated nearly $220 million in room rates. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mike already mentioned gambling, which we don't, or the casinos, uh, we don't have that information, but that's a great added tidbit since you said economic impact. Um, And then the Thursday through Saturday night average daily rate was $629, which is a $360 three hundred and sixty dollars increase compared to the prior year during the same week. So quite a big bump. I mean, yeah, um, yeah. So, and then occupancy was slightly down, but it was at eighty nine percent. And that is okay. a lot of full hotel rooms, considering when we started the podcast, I was saying, how many rooms are in the Las Vegas yeah. Strip submarket? That's a lot of people in the submarket um coming for it. And, I think the prior year, it was like, I don't know, 91.4%, maybe 92%. So not a huge fall, but um, mm-hmm. very busy, high-revenue-generating event. Although there, I know there's been a lot of mixed reviews and headlines going around. Yes,
0: yes. So, I mean, Mike, from your perspective, as we just heard from Emmy, all those great numbers, do you think that the success of the Las Vegas F1 could lead to more development of infrastructure to host the event in the city again in future years?
1: One hundred percent. As Emmy mentioned, Clark County has already agreed to hold an annual F1 race for the next decade, and they have already finalized the date for next year's race. It's going to be November 21 to 23. The infrastructure is already there. They have okay. spent they spent a year building it, and based on my knowledge, they can now put back the barriers and stands more quickly and it will cause less construction and disturbance on the Strip next year. Hopefully, cross my fingers, uh, as locals, we all try to avoid the Strip last year because <laughs> it was an absolute nightmare uh, to get through all that construction. Um, and I think, you know, when you look at the first iteration of any major event in a new city, it's often accompanied with growing pains, and the Las Vegas Grand Prix was no different and I think, you know, I think they've gotten past the initial growing pains and will, the event will continue continue to improve from here. Mm-hmm. But the ec- economic impact is undeniable. Uh, the uh, impact was expected to be, be around 1.7 billion. They might have come up just short of that. Um, but again, those numbers are going to rival the NFL Super Bowl numbers. Um, and with those kind of those kind of uh, generation, that kind of revenue generation, Clark County again is it going to approve that that Formula One race uh, mm-hmm. for the through 2032? And CoStar actually just released a new story yesterday on a pair of international developers who want to build an auto-themed residential tower to kind of pay homage to the F1 race. Mm-hmm. So there you go. There's already you know, uh, some developer uh, who wants to kind of capitalize on F1 in Las Vegas. So I think it is certainly an event that's here to stay.
0: Something interesting that I heard from a Hotelier source maybe a couple months ago or a month ago was that due to the time of these events taking place, like at nighttime, that really was the nightlife then for many visitors. And instead of maybe going to gambling or whatnot, or, you know, other entertainment options, um, I'm wondering, I mean, it's going to happen at that same time every year. We think, I mean, do you think the city might rethink that or will that be the norm? If you've heard anything around that?
1: I think it's going to have to be at night because you want those bright lights shining during the mm-hmm. race that's going to be the huge draw that's the postcard uh and vegas obviously it's a nighttime town i mean it is it's pretty quiet during the day and it really comes alive at night um and that's always been the nature of vegas so i think it's always going to be be a late start and that's kind of mm-hmm. i think it's going to be a, a unique thing a unique um, thing to this race here in vegas uh, as opposed to some other uh, cities yeah. where you have it during the day.
0: Right, like Austin. and Yep. So turning to Super Bowl, um, obviously CoStar doesn't give too much forward-looking data, and it might be a little bit hard to compare Las Vegas to other cities that have hosted Super Bowl in the past. Um, but like you said, Mike, this is the first time that Las Vegas does have this as the host city for the event. Emmy, um, can you speculate on how tourism around the 2024 Super Bowl might look?
2: Uh, this is another one. I'm very excited to see how the data shakes out. But obviously, Super Bowls are always high revenue generating and star studded events. But now it's in Las Vegas in a newish stadium um, mm-hmm. where people love sports betting. As Mike already said, people come from March Madness even without the game. Now they're coming to Super Bowl with a game actually there. Um, there's casinos, there's shows. And so it'll be interesting to see the result. Also, um, in the analysis I've done of previous Super Bowls, the best performing hotels are the luxury hotels, which are generally located farther away from the stadium. So, like in Phoenix, the stadium was in Glendale, but most people stayed in Scottsdale because that's mm-hmm. where the luxury hotels were. When it was in LA at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, most people stayed in Santa Monica, Beverly Hills. But in Vegas, it's right there and all the hotels are right there so like the ease of getting to the event will also be better so i'm wondering if similar to f1 if it's going to be a longer length of stay and people Mm -hmm. really make it something so therefore more revenue generation because they're there for longer um also during the same time you know you 2 will still be there performing at the sphere i heard Mm -hmm. adele will be there performing her week in residency at caesar's palace so it's like there's a lot of Things going on surrounding yeah. just the Super Bowl itself, mm-hmm. so I think it's going to perform really well, and I can't wait to dissect it and write an article on it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so much to look forward to. Um, so you mentioned you two, so they have been performing at the Sphere. Um, I've seen, you know, pr- some publicly traded hotel companies have been a little bit quiet on their earnings calls about the economic impact of the Sphere on their hotels. So. Do you know any color around that? Can you speak to that? Has there been positive impact um, that you could it- attribute this to the sphere, or is it a little bit hard to tell?
2: It's really hard to tell because there's always so much going on in Vegas. Um, there's so many demand generators from the shows to the events to sports to the conventions, the convention market. Um, but and not to be a Debbie Downer, but since it opened in September, um, the submarket occupancy has declined every month Mm. since then ADR has been up but also there's a lot more supply we're seeing Mm -hmm. that in a lot of leisure markets you know right now with a lot more people going out internationally and inbound not as much Um, Mm -hmm. but what I can say and this is more weekly results than monthly like in on slower weeks in December there was more demand in ADR and kind of bigger bumps on the weekly data in the slower months And really, I think that could potentially be attributed to the sphere because I don't know what else was going on for people to be getting that kind of lift. Um, I didn't see anything else major going on. And I can say also when I've randomly just talked to people about Las Vegas, everyone brings up the sphere. Everyone talks about it. So like it's getting talked about and they're normally saying I'm trying to get tickets. I want to get there. And it's also people who are like, I haven't been there for years, but this is worth me going for. So yeah, if nothing else, I don't know on the revenue side, it's
0: definitely getting great marketing. Mike, I'm seeing a grin from you since you live there. What are your thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, it's it's funny that you mentioned the Sphere because <laughs> my dad is the biggest cheapo I know in <laughs> history, and he actually he loves you too. He actually uh-huh. he's ponied up the money for some seats uh, for me, him, and my mom to go see you uh-huh. two at the Sphere. And I was totally expecting him to be like, ah, oh, it was overpriced. It was, you know, it was <laughs> what a waste of money. But he came back and said it was worth every single penny. And that tells wow. me everything I need to know about the sphere. He was just totally blown away by the experience, the visuals, the sound. He said it was unlike any other concert experience he's he's ever had before.
0: Wow. I think that's a great endorsement right there. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to send um, this
2: podcast here, Dad, where you call him a <laughs>
0: <laughs> I could have called
1: him something else. So that, that was the, the friendlier version.
0: <laughs> I'm sure he'll get a laugh out of that without knowing him at all. I'm sure he'll laugh. But, <laughs> uh, Mike, turn it again to sports a little bit. So Emmy, of course, mentioned the new stadium, which came in. Let's see. Was that in 2020 that they opened? Um the Raiders so Stadium, for- yeah. Yes. So, I was doing a little digging and I saw Forbes um a headline from them reporting that Las Vegas is quickly becoming the newest sports Mecca. So, new stadium, we got the Oakland Raiders that relocated to Las Vegas and then There's also a possibility, I think you did mention earlier in our conversation, that um, the Oakland A's from MLB will also relocate to Las Vegas and potentially the NBA expanding uh, in the city as well. So I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on potential impact of sports on this market.
2: Can I throw in one more thing? Because Mike, the back-to-back WNBA champs in Las Vegas, and Mike is all about it, and I'm all about someone who supports women professional sports, Off sports, but so sorry. Mike, Mike is all over it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah.
1: I love the aces and they have the coolest name in all of sports, hands down Las Vegas aces. I don't think you can really top that. Um, there we go. Such a cool name, such a cool franchise. I mean, they are, I mean, they're back-to-back champs. They are dominating right now. And I think, Um, this city is now producing champions. Uh, I'm such a, I'm a huge sports nerd. So this, this question's right up my alley. Um, and speaking of champions, I, I think this all really goes back to the success of the NHL's Las Vegas Knights franchise that had their inaugural season in 2018. They were the first to break the seal and put to bed the notion that Vegas could not Support a major, a major pro sports franchise. There's always been this stigma that Vegas is too small, or because of the gambling, it would corrupt the team, and there would be, you know, maybe some uh, backhanded deals, backroom deals going on with the, during games. But that clearly has not happened. We're already seeing, you know, the impact from uh, the potential growth of franchises here. And just wait until mlb and nba are here along yep. with all their all-star games drafts and the like um the nba is going to be a really big one nba already has a huge presence here nba summer league has been here uh every year for as long as i can remember um las vegas has always been a uh, an area for nba showcases emmy mentioned we have the wnba here USA Basketball holds its training camps here. So I think it's just a matter of time. Oh, and I also forgot to mention that we just had the NBA in-season tournament here. So there's mm-hmm. not even an NBA team in Vegas, yet we had the NBA in-season tournament here. So I think it's just a matter of time before we get a franchise here. Uh, LeBron has kind of been banging the table for for uh, ownership in that franchise, which would be amazing. So... Um, yeah, really, I think the, the sky's the limit. And another impact is drawing companies that have a regional, national and global presence here. Kind of going back to that skills relocation and the rise of esports. Mm-hmm. Um, Las Vegas is the entertainment capital of the world. And even before sports came here, n- now that you throw sports and esports into the mix, you have the convention center expansion. Mm-hmm. Uh, new uh, new stadiums being built, new hotels going up. The sky is really the limit here. And I think that's why you're seeing the amazing hotel numbers, the casino revenue numbers, more projects being proposed. You have the Bright Line being built from LA to Las Vegas, and then potentially a, a supplementary airport to the south of Vegas. I think the impact is, uh, possibly endless and there's maybe even some some knock-on effects that we're not even aware of yet
0: wow i think really to sum this up is my colleague brian wrote when we were talking about this podcast um just in the newsroom was he said everything's coming up las vegas and it really is like you've listed so many things right there in addition to everything else and it it's just coming to life more than it already is but finally to tie this all together I'd love to kind of turn this back a little bit on travel and how this you feel can really lead to a boom in group business. Amy, I'll start with you.
2: Okay. So Las Vegas has always, when pandemic, had a booming group business market, um, The convention center alone expects 1.3 million attendees this year with 51 events, but it's a convention town beyond the convention center because all the convention space at the hotels, the little city centers, as I say, Mm -hmm. Um, and with all the convention spaces combined in 2023, it'll probably be about 6 million convention attendees. It's like 5.7, I think, year to date through November, December hasn't released yet. So a lot of convention attendees. Um, But Las Vegas continues to invest in these convention spaces. So on top of everything that you just said, the convention center is undergoing a $600 million renovation that will finish in 2025. And this is after completing a $1 billion West Hall expansion in 2021. And then there's a three-year $180 million renovation of the Venetian uh, Convention and Expo Center that begins this Mm -hmm. year. And then Mandalay Bay Convention Center is doing a hundred million renovation that's uh, supposed to continue through this year, end of this year. So a lot of stuff going on at the convention already. Mm-hmm. So while it's always a booming convention town, the added attractions, sports teams, and everything could cause convention uh, goers to one stay longer, um, mm-hmm. or it just generates more appeal because there's more attraction options for off-site events at these mega conventions. You know, you're at the expo hall or convention all day. People want to go do something. There's a lot more options. Instead of just going to the casino, they can go to a sports game. They can, you know, the restaurant scene, I heard, is awesome in Vegas right now. Mike. you can speak to that. My brother-in-law goes quite frequently and always brags about the excellent food he gets there, <laughs> and he is a foodie snob. Maybe I shouldn't have sent that to
0: him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mike, I'd love to hear what your uh, thoughts are on this.
1: Yeah. I mean, who wants to travel to Vegas alone, right? I mean, I, I, so I'm not, I'm not the hotel expert Emmy is. So in terms of group travel, I think, you know, when you're going to sports events, concerts, conventions, you're going to be traveling in in pretty big groups. Um, And I think, again, for all the reasons that we mentioned, there's so many avenues for growth here in terms of travel. Uh, And when you look at local officials investment here it is being funneled into the tourism scene so uh, i think you know i think we're going to continue to see positive numbers in terms of group travel here um and yeah i i I don't really see that stopping unless you know you don't get nba don't get mlb which is already you know halfway through the door um Mm -hmm. i just think that there there's going to be a, a real need here for continued growth in hotels and accommodating all these people that are planning to, uh, to arrive in the city. And again, I think that's a large reason why they're building this bright line train and the supplementary airport, because they do expect these travel numbers to grow from, they're probably gonna end up around 58 million this year in terms of air passenger travel. That number is going to continue to grow each year from here on out. Um, so yeah, I, I you know, you I don't I don't need to be sold on Las Vegas. I'm just trying to sell everyone else on it.
0: <laughs> there you go. Well said. Well, Mike, Emmy, this has been so informative, super fun conversation. I learned so much more than I thought I even knew just by my quick research. So I know our listeners will be in good hands with this podcast. But thank you again. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Dina.
1: Thanks, Dana. Hi, I'm Isaac Collazo, Vice President of Analytics at STR. Hi, and I'm Jan Feitak, National Director for Hospitality Analytics for the Coastal Group. Tune in to our new show, Tell Me More, Hospitality Data Podcast. It's a podcast on the global hotel industry, its current trends, what we're thinking about, and where the industry is going. And we like to have fun with the data, too. Find us on hotelnewsnow.com or wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe today.
0: This episode of the Hotel News Now Podcast Network was recorded on January 17, 2024, by Dana Miller and edited by Rachel Dobb. Check Hotel News Now for the latest industry news.